All right, good morning again. Starting to feel like fall, isn't it? Amen? Yeah. Let's take a moment and pray before we get started, okay? Let's bow together. Father, we come before you again in Jesus' name. Father, we are in your house, we're with your people, and we're with you. Father, we believe you're here with us. We believe your spirit wants to say something to us today. So we open up your word, your, your, your words, your Bible, and we ask you, God, to speak to us from it. We ask for your spirit to just come and rest on each person that's here today and guide and direct me as I seek to, to uh, bring a message, Lord, that will encourage but also strengthen the faith of your people in your church. Father, again, I just say that through by myself, I have nothing to offer, Lord. I know that uh, I'm just an ordinary man. But, uh, Lord, you've uh, brought me here today to bring this message of, of uh, listening to you, listening to you before we listen to anybody else and to seek you and your guidance. And so, Father, as we look at this, uh, at your word today that talks about whose voice should we listen to, Father, I pray you'd guide and direct us, that you would use me for your glory and that what I share today would be your truths and your truths only, Lord. For there's nothing else that needs to be heard but your truth. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're leaving behind the series on Daniel. We're done with Daniel. I really wanted to just talk about, from Daniel, talk about how to live out your faith in a difficult situation, difficult circumstances. And I think the church is in some difficult circumstances today, in America especially. Uh, the church in other parts of the world is facing a whole different threat. Persecution is breaking out around the world. And um, American churches aren't seeing some of that. American Christians haven't experienced that yet. We have a different threat. And so I want to start today talking about seven false prophets the church faces in all times and all places. There's a threat to the American church today that many people, I think, are, are oblivious to. They just don't seem to, to catch on to this. They don't see this happening. They don't hear it. But the church has faced this threat from the very beginning throughout its entire history. The church has faced these seven false voices, these seven false prophets that we're going to talk about. And the threat I'm referring to is people who seek to speak for and to the church, but who don't seek to listen to God. I think that's one of the biggest threats in America today, in the American church, is people who are speaking to the church, for the church, but they aren't listening to God. They don't seek God's leading and guidance and direction. It doesn't matter what denomination you belong to or the church you're a member of. You have to be careful to whose voice you listen to when it comes to Christian issues and spiritual truth. You have to be, you have to be cautious. All of us have to be cautious. I have to be cautious about who I listen to. Okay? How can, pe how can God's people discern who a false prophet is? Well, God's given us the answer to that. And it's very obvious. In Deuteronomy 18, verse 21, from the very beginning of God working with people about himself and how to have a relationship with God, listen to what he said in Deuteronomy 18, verse 21. You may say to yourselves, how can we know when a message has not been spoken by the Lord? If what a prophet proclaims in the name of the Lord does not take place or come true, that is a message the Lord has not spoken. That prophet has spoken presumptuously. and Do not be afraid of him. So if, if someone comes with a message that says this is the truth about God and you realize that it's not true, that the Bible is, says something totally contrary to that, you don't, have to, you don't have to listen to that voice anymore. You don't have to listen to that person anymore. You, you should actually reject that person. Over the next three Sundays, I'm going to talk about these seven false prophets that the church faces in all times and in all places. And all seven of these prophets, all seven of these false voices, 
are talked about in the Bible. They're described in great detail by the Bible. And here's the thing. If you will study and you will learn your Bible, it will be easy for you to discern who is and who isn't a false prophet. You see, we will see from the Bible itself, false prophets expose themselves by teaching things that are in direct opposition to what the Bible plainly teaches. Over and over and over, you can see this happening all around America. People teaching things plain in plain opposition to what the Bible says. Just remember what 2 Timothy 3.16 says. If you, if you feel nervous about this issue, or it kind of scares you, listen to 2 Timothy 3.16. All scriptures God-breathed is useful for teaching, rebuking, and training in righteousness. What God wants from each and every one of us, not just the pastor, or the deacon, or the central teacher, or the financial secretary, or the treasurer, but is righteousness. And the only way we can get righteous with God is through Jesus Christ. Now, as we talk about these seven false prophets, I'm not referring to the preacher who doesn't explain himself very clearly. Sometimes we talk and we don't explain ourselves well. Or who happens to misspeak and says something that's wrong. Sometimes the preacher will say something and he has to go back and correct. I've done that. I've misspoken a few times. Uh, hopefully it doesn't happen very often. But um, it happens. A person can make a mistake, say something, and then clear it up the next time when they're up there speaking. Sometimes Someone once asked me, how long does it take you to put together a Sunday message? My answer is anywhere from 8 to 12 hours a week. I spent 8 to 12 hours a week getting ready for Sunday morning. I try to get the bulk of my message to put together by Tuesday. By end of Tuesday, I want it to be the most of it most to be done. I want almost all of it done. And then after the rest of the week, I'll go back and I'll work through it and I'll refine it and I'll pray over it and I'll ask God to inspire me and lead me and direct me. I'll even work on it on Sunday morning. Sunday mornings, I'm here at the, in the office working on my message before I ever come in here. I come in here and pray while Sunday school is going on and I pray about, over the message. I pray about my own relationship with, with the Father and with Jesus and the Spirit. And I ask God to lead me and make sure that I say things the right way. Preaching has always been a very serious responsibility to me. I never wanted to be a preacher. I wanted to, to run a, a manufacturing plant. That's what I wanted to do. That's why I went to college, to run a manufacturing plant. But when I became a pastor and a preacher, preaching God's word is a very serious responsibility to me. It's God's word, not Gary's word, right? Yeah, it's God's word. And the Bible tells us that God will hold preachers and teachers to a high standard. The very high standard. James chapter 3, verse 1. Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. And I say amen to that. If anyone's never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. Even James says, look, sometimes preachers will misspeak and they'll have to go back and they'll have to correct themselves or be corrected and accept that and realize that and be taught themselves as well. We're just men. We're just men. And we fall as well. So if you have your outline ready on the back of your bulletin, my first example of a false prophet, of a false voice, number one is the heretic. The heretic. And I'll tell you, folks, there are a lot of heretics in America today. There are a lot of heretics in America today. Go to 2 Peter chapter 2. When you get there, find verse 1. Peter. The man who walked with Jesus for three, somewhere between three and four years, the man who denied Jesus but was restored by Jesus, who died like Jesus on a cross except he died upside down. 
Listen to what he says about these false teachers, these false voices. He says in chapter 2, verse 1, but there were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. He's speaking to the church, Christians. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them. Even the unbelievers. Do you know that Jesus bought unbelievers with his blood? And so it's up to them to come to faith, to accept Christ for who he is, bringing swift destruction on themselves. Many will follow their shameful ways and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with stories they've made up. Their condemnation has long been hanging over them, and their destruction has not been sleeping. So if you worry about it, you are frustrated with these false voices, these, these heretics that are teaching these lies, go back and read verse 3 again. Know that God has something for them. His judgment is coming certainly for them. The heretic. Notice Peter said the heretic will secretly introduce destructive teachings, heresies. Why does the heretic act in secret? Why don't they just act openly? Why don't they just be who they are openly? Because they know what they're doing. That's why. They know what they're doing and they know it's wrong. They know it's wrong. The heretic doesn't misspeak. The heretic doesn't lie about himself or what he says. The heretic knows what they're saying isn't biblical and he says it anyway. The heretic denies many core truths that are non-negotiable for being a Christian. You know that there are some core truths that you and I have to accept from the Bible to be a Christian. And without these core truths, we can't be Christians. Such as the divinity of Jesus Christ. There are people today, there have always been people who have denied the divinity of Jesus Christ. They say Jesus was just an ordinary guy who went around doing really good, nice things. Or there are many ways to heaven. Have you heard that? There are lots of different ways to heaven. Oprah Winfrey even said that one time. There, there can't there, there can't possibly be just one way to heaven. There has to be more than one way to heaven. There has to be many ways. And, and even this, the universalists will say, there are all kinds of ways to heaven. There's, there's, there's numbers of ways. And everyone is going to go to heaven. So no one needs to be saved. We hear that a lot, don't we, in our culture today. The heretic says there is no hell because, after all, a loving God would not send anybody to hell, right? No, a loving God wouldn't do that. We hear that. But heretic denies that God reveals himself or has revealed himself as Father, Son, and Spirit. To be a Christian, you have to believe in the triune Godhead, that, the, that God has revealed himself to be three persons, Father, Son, Spirit. That's part of being a Christian. It's non-negotiable. It's the way it is. And yet we know that there have been voices in the church who have denied that. This is why it's so important for Christians to know the Bible for yourself. You have to know the Bible yourself, personally. You need to learn the Bible for yourself. This is why the church needs Bible-believing, Bible-preaching pastors. People who believe in the Bible, men who believe that this is the Word of God, and it's all true, and it's relevant, and it's worthy of study, and worthy of sharing. Amen. In 2 Timothy 4, verse 2, Paul said this, Timothy, Timothy, he said, Timothy, preach the Word. Timothy, don't preach yourself. Don't preach feel good. Don't, 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 don't do anything but preach the word. Be prepared in season, out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. He said that 2,000 years ago. 2,000 years ago, people were trying to preach something else other than the word to the church. 
Paul says, no, you got to preach the word. Preach that. And preach that only. And be prepared to preach the word. If we preach the word, meaning the Bible, it will do the hard work of correcting and rebuking. I don't have to call people out. All i got to do is talk about whatever's going on and whatever God brings up from the Scripture. Whatever God shows me to, to talk about, I don't have to call anybody out for something. That's not my position. That's not my role. My role is just to proclaim the word and let God rebuke you. And he'll do that. He'll do that. He'll, he'll rebuke and he'll, he'll discipline. He'll, he'll instruct. I just have to be prepared with the word and let God work through me and work, God, work in you. I don't need to use guilt. I don't like that. I don't like guilt. You? I've never liked guilt. And yet we see that happening a lot today as well. But the word will do the hard work of correcting and rebuking. And it will also encourage us. Amen? Yeah, it will encourage us because God's truth is always encouraging. At least to me it is. Even the hard stuff. Those hard truths that have to be accepted, not rejected or replaced. We need those hard things that are said in the Bible. Because they keep us on the straight and narrow as well. We need that encouragement to, hey, turn away from that. Turn back to this. Turn back to me. To Jesus. Paul told Timothy, preaching God's truth must be done with great patience, careful instruction. So that's why I don't that's why I don't guilt people, because I'm trying to be patient and let God work. And Peter tells us here in chapter two, verse two, he says, Many will follow their shameful ways and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. Man, I don't want to bring the church into disrepute. I don't want to bring the Christian faith into and to be, to be despised by the culture around us. It's despised enough. Now, the heretic must be confronted not because they make an error or misspeak, but because they intentionally mislead, mislead people. They purposely distort God's truth. And there are many heretics in our culture today. They take advantage of unbelievers who are seeking by telling them things that are unbiblical. They try to convince immature Christians of these lies that we're talking about. For one Single purpose. What is that purpose? Money. Money. The heretic loves money. Look again at verse 3. It says there in verse 3, In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with stories they have made up. In their greed. The Paul, Peter also says a heretic will be judged by God. And I don't really want this for them. I want them to become corrected in time. So they can enjoy the grace of God and come into his truth too. Their condemnation has long been, what, hanging over them and their destruction has not been sleeping. While they're still alive, there's still opportunity for them to repent and come to true faith in Jesus Christ. But they have to give up their ways just like everybody else does. Look out for the heretic. Look out for the heretic. Look out for number two, the charlatan, the charlatan. Go with me to 1 Timothy now. 1 Timothy chapter 6, and find verse, uh, verse 3 there, verse 3. The charlatan. 1 Timothy 6, verse 3. If anyone teaches false doctrines and does not agree to the sound instruction of our Lord Jesus Christ and to godly teaching, he is conceited and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy interest in controversies and quarrels about words that result in envy, strife, malicious talk, evil suspicions, 
and constant friction between men of corrupt mind who've been robbed of the truth, who think that godliness is a means to financial gain. Look out for the heretic. Look out for the charlatan. The charlatan is a fraud, a liar. A charlatan is someone who's interested only in what he can gain for himself. He's interested again in what? Financial gain, money. The church is beset by people who want money. That's something. He's not concerned about how what he says and what he does affects the church or Christians. He doesn't care about that. He just cares about what he wants. And he wants that money. In the 1800s, I wasn't alive back then, but in the 1800s, there were people who sold patent medicine. Anybody ever heard of patent medicine? Yeah, patent medicine. It really wasn't medicine. It, it was mostly alcohol, you know? And sometimes they even had opium in it. You know what opium was, right? It's what they used to put in Coca-Cola. Very beginning, cocaine. Opium was made from, or cocaine is made from opium. Alcohol, opium, little small amounts of it in, in bottles of whatever kind of liquid they could come up with. Made people feel good for a time, but it was no cure to their serious problems that they had. If you go to Abilene, Kansas, there's a house called the Sealy Mansion. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. I was born in Abilene, and my mother lived there for years. And I would go see her, and there was Sealy Mansion. It was built in 1905. By Dr. A.B. Seeley, and he made a fortune, millions of dollars, from selling patent medicine all across the Midwest during the late 1800s. From, from medicine that his company made right there on the grounds of that mansion. The religious charlatan is a lot like people who sold patent medicine. What they offer has no long lasting beneficial effect. It's actually, it can actually be detrimental to a person, to their spiritual health and to the Christian's well-being. So the charlatan is just really selling fake stuff. Paul was careful with the gospel. Paul was very careful. If you read his letters, you'll see he's very careful about how he promotes Christ, how he talks about Jesus, how he shares Jesus. And he, he gave his entire life to sharing Jesus. And he was very careful with God's word. And his is a voice worth listening to. Listen to what he told the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 through 5. He says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Paul said, look, we go after these people who lie about our Savior, who lie about God's word. We go after them and we take their arguments on face to face and we demolish them with God's truth. Not my knowledge. And in Philippians 3, verse 7, 8, Paul wrote this, of whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. He wasn't in it for money. He wasn't in it for self-gain. What is more, I consider everything I lost compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. Paul says, look, I'll give up everything in the world for Jesus so that I can also then go and share Jesus with other people. And you know, Paul worked. Did you know that? There were times when Paul was able to get money from other churches. Other churches would send him money to support him, and he worked full-time then. But sometimes he, he didn't have any money, so he would work. 
He would go into the marketplace get, and work, set up his little booth or whatever, and he was a tent maker, a tent repairer. He, was, he worked with leather, and he sewed and things like that. And while he did that work, he witnessed to people and started to plant churches and make disciples. You know, Chardons don't talk that way the way Paul did. Because charlatans don't think that way the way Paul did. They think only about themselves, about what they can gain for themselves. They will argue over issues that are already settled in the Bible. And they'll argue and they'll argue and they'll argue. Watch out for spiritual charlatans. They won't be concerned for you. They're concerned about what's in your wallet or your bank account. They'll only be concerned for themselves. And watch out for number three, the false prophet. Go to 1 John chapter 4. And when you get there, find verse 1. 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. It says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And this is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus Christ is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming, and even now is already in the world. The false prophets. Watch out for the false prophet. He is a liar. He is, the, he is following Satan, the father of lies. Watch out for people who say they have a new message from God. And we've seen that happen in America. Sometimes they'll say, I have a word of knowledge from God. A new revelation. Something totally different. Sometimes they'll talk about a new move of the Holy Spirit. How the Holy Spirit is moving. And we need to follow the Holy Spirit. They crave the attention their new messages bring. Their new messages are not from the Bible. Their new messages come from their own mind and imaginations. And, and they crave that attention and the respect that it gives them. That's something. People today are searching for spiritual guidance. People want spiritual guidance. People want true purpose and meaning for their life. People are finding out that money doesn't give purpose and meaning, that sex doesn't give purpose and meaning, that entertainment isn't enough to build their life on, that sports and these kind of things, that, that alcohol and drugs are not enough for them. They're looking for meaning. And it seems they want someone else to give it to them instead of seeking it from God. See, church, you and I, we, speak, we seek our meaning and purpose from God. You don't seek it from me because I can't give it to you, but God can. And he'll, just, he'll reveal that to you from his word. Some false prophets are just simply con men. Men who use enough scripture to fool people into giving them money. But some false prophets lure people away from churches to start their own religious group or organization. Joseph Smith. Anybody heard of Joseph Smith from the 1800s? Yeah. He founded the Mormon church. This simple man who was very uneducated, he could read and write, but he wasn't that well educated, didn't go to college. He founded the Mormon church. He wrote an entire book, a book of fiction, because he wanted power. And he was able to convince a lot of people to follow him, to join him from other churches. Because he used enough of the Old Testament in his book to, to get people in. And he promoted a system of salvation that, that where every man, every man, not women, ladies, I'm sorry, 
you're not included in his his uh, book of uh, his uh, his future. But every man could be God. Man, I would never believe anybody to tell me I could be God or a God. You know why? I know who I am. I'm, I'm nowhere near what God is. Today, in our political correct culture, there are people in the church today saying Christians and Muslims worship the same God. When you hear that, that's a lie. Just go ask a Muslim and they'll tell you, no, we don't worship the same God. A true Muslim will admit, we don't serve the same God. We don't worship the same God. They say Muslims believe in one God, so do Christians. Well, that's true. The Muslims respect Abraham and Moses, well, so do Christians, and that's true too. Muslims even say that Jesus is a prophet, and the Bible says he is a prophet. The Bible says he's also more than that. He's the Son of God. He's God. He's the Savior of the world. He's the, the Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world. But the Muslim will say that Jesus is, is not God. Because God would never die a shameful death on a cross. And God himself could never die. And Jesus said in Matthew 7, verse 15 to 18, listen to what he said. He said, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. And by their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. All of these false prophets, all of these false voices that are trying to speak today, the fruit that they bear doesn't stand up. It rots away. If you're aware, if you stay aware, if you stay spiritually aware, you'll see these people exposed very quickly. In 1 Peter 3, 15 through 16, the Bible says, But in your hearts, in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. Make Jesus your Lord. And you won't have to worry about these men. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope you have. All of us should have that answer ready. Why, why do I have hope for the future? Why do I believe that God's going to take care of everything in my life? Because of Jesus Christ. He's my Savior. He's my Lord. And then he says, but do this with gentleness and respect. We don't need to shame people. We don't need to call them out in front of other people. We can go to them. I've done that one-to-one. -one. Keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. See, we want to be above board too, right? We, we don't want to be charged with something called slander. So don't, don't, don't worry about calling these people out. God knows it. God knows who they are, and God will take care of them. Just don't follow them, and don't, don't share their beliefs. And don't let them have a toehold in your life or your spiritual life. As we come to the end of the service today, I want to remind you of something that Jesus said. Something that he said in John chapter 14, where he said that he is the way, the truth, and the life. That no one comes to the Father except through him. That's a, that's a verse to cling on to. If you get spiritually confused by someone's teachings and you think, well, is it possible? Is there somebody else? John 14, verse 6. He is the way. There is no other. There's only Jesus. He is the truth. He's the truth of God for who he is and what he'll do in your life. And he is the life. He's that new life that we need that he promises to give us, that God wants us to have. Our invitation song today is Open My Eyes That I May See. It's a great song. It reminds us that we need to see spiritual truth clearly. And for that to happen, we need Jesus Christ to help us so that we can understand his truth and his ways. 
and so that we can then share his truth and his ways with the culture around us, with the world around us, with our neighbors who are confused, with those Mormon boys who walk down my street that I, I tell them, come back, ask them to come back so I can talk to them more than just a couple minutes. And they all seem to come back. God always seems to bring them back. I find that amazing. Let's stand and sing as we get ready to sing. Let God speak to you.